Let's pray as we begin. Holy Spirit, may you open our ears to hear what you are saying to us today and our hearts so that we will respond as you guide us. Amen. Can you start the slideshow, Milo? There we go. Right now, The Band's Visit is my favorite musical. This is not necessarily a recommendation. If you see it, you might not like it. But it did win 10 Tonys, including Best Musical, in 2018. Now, I have seen a lot of theater in my life, big stuff, with elaborate scenic design and giant casts. But the scenery for the band's visit is khaki. Uh, has a pretty small cast, and there's really no dancing. But I understand why it won Best Musical last year. It, it won Me Too, the band's visit. Elegant simplicity, Middle Eastern music, fabulous lighting design, it did win the Tony for that, and a scene in a roller skating rink. The band's visit is a story about a tiny town in Israel called Bet HaTikva, where nothing ever happens. And the opening number, they sing about this, waiting. What's new here? You're waiting, I'm waiting, because that's what we do here, same as we do every day for something, I don't know, to happen. No, just something different to happen. Just waiting for something to change, just a change. And toward the end of the song, the lead character, Dina, sings, you know what I think? There's two kinds of waiting. There's the kind where you're expecting something new or even strange, but this kind of waiting, you keep looking off out into the distance, even though you know the view is never going to change. And in the band's visit, the people in Bet HaTikva do experience something new and even strange. I won't tell you in case you do want to see it. Their waiting pays off. But at the end, you know they're going to just go back to waiting again. And I left the theater feeling that this musical had illustrated a deep sense of human longing, of human waiting. We're all waiting for something. What are you waiting for? Maybe you're waiting for a new job or your current job to get better. Maybe you're waiting for for healing from an illness. Maybe you're waiting for a long-lost friend or family member to contact you and connect with you again. Maybe you're waiting for a sense of peace in your heart. Maybe you're waiting because there's this ongoing sense of longing inside you that you haven't really named yet and you don't know how to articulate. Maybe you're waiting for the service to be over because you didn't eat breakfast and you're real hungry for brunch. What are you waiting for? This summer, we have been working our way through the book of Psalms. We've had a reading plan and invited you all to participate, reading Psalms every day. And we've heard sermons on only some of the 150 Psalms in Scripture. And a theme, you may have noticed if you read through the Psalms, a theme that comes up quite a bit is is the theme of waiting, waiting on the Lord. We we hear this in Psalm 25.5, You are the God of my salvation, for you I wait all day long. For parents who helped their Sunday kids camp kids memorize the verse, this was it. That's why you recognize it. 
Psalm 69.3, I am weary with my crying. My throat is parched. My eyes grow dim with waiting for my God. 135, right before the psalm for today. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits. And in his word, I hope. Now, there are two primary Hebrew words that are translated wait in our English translations. They're sometimes translated wait. They're also sometimes translated hope. So in Psalm 131.3, the last word, O Israel, hope in the Lord, now and forevermore, also is sometimes translated wait. And if you look this up in a Hebrew lexicon, you'll read that this has to do with hopeful waiting. So when you read hope in the Psalms in your English Bible, it has to do with active, hopeful waiting. And we see this in Psalm 130 and 131. This is a good kind of waiting, I think. It's the kind where you are waiting for something new or even strange. Something is going to happen, but you don't know when, and you're not exactly sure what it looks like, but it will be good. This waiting with expectation that scripture talks about. Wait on the Lord. Hope in the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Now, for some of us who grew up in the church, perhaps the phrase, wait on the Lord, has become kind of trite. Like, just wait on the Lord, someone may say, if there's a problem or if a prayer isn't answered. Sometimes we think it means the same as wait for the Lord. And, And we think it means to pray and to ask God for something and then to sit on the bench while we wait for God to get a move on and do it. I think that sometimes... We think sometimes that's what waiting on the Lord is. But there's two kinds of waiting I want to talk about today. And these aren't the kind in the song. There's waiting for the Lord, and then there's waiting on him. And I think there's a big difference. And we see this difference illustrated in Psalm 131 today. Psalm 131 gives us a picture of what it means to hope with expectation on the Lord. So here's another translation of the the Hebrew text. And when it says Yahweh there, that's the word in your English Bible that's, that's translated Lord with all capital letters. Yahweh, my mind has not been lofty. My eyes have not looked high. I haven't gone about with big ideas or extraordinary deeds beyond me. If I haven't conformed and quieted my entire being like someone nursed with its mother, So my entire being is nursed with me. Israel, wait for Yahweh. Wait for the Lord, now and forevermore. So let's put this text, Psalm 131, in context, where it is located in Scripture. So Psalm 131 is part of the 15 Psalms of Ascents. These are the Psalms of going up. I talked about it some last week in which God's people are headed up for Jerusalem from wherever they live to worship God on a high holy day. And so these these 15 Psalms are Psalms that are sung as people are heading up toward Mount Zion, which is a holy, sacred place, the place where people understood that heaven and earth meet and where the holy presence of God is tangible and From this place, the holy presence of God flows down. And it's higher, literally higher. It's located at a higher altitude. And so wherever people are coming from, north, south, east, and west, they're all going higher and higher toward God's presence, the Psalms of Ascent. And these demonstrate, if you start reading at 120 and read all the way to 130, a sort of progression toward God. 
We start out last week among Meshach and Kedar, in which I talked about in sermon last week. So if you're like, that sounds interesting, you could listen to the podcast. And, and in the previous psalm, Psalm 130, right before 131, we read about waiting and hoping and watching for God. I wait for the Lord. My soul waits, and in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than those who watch for the morning, more than those who watch for the morning. And there is a lot of waiting with expectant hope here. And so now we hear a a prayer, a personal song of testimony, of relationship with God. It's kind of a personal testimony, but sometimes when we hear personal testimony, we think, oh, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be a miracle, maybe or a story about a violent drug dealer who became a missionary to a lost tribe in the Amazon. But no, this is, this is the testimony. I'm like a baby, God. I'm like a baby with his mom. I'm like a baby who isn't fussy, who isn't hungry, who doesn't need a diaper change. Everybody be like babies. Hope in God. This isn't someone who's trying to solve the problems of the world or who's trying to do it all himself. This isn't someone meditating on his past, on his mistakes and regrets. This is someone who has walked all that stuff out already in his ascent to Mount Zion. In the company of the people of God, in the anticipation of worshiping God in this holy place, through this geographic and physical journey, the psalmist has prayed and pondered already some deep, deep problems bringing them before God. The psalmist has already lamented the culture in which he lives. He's lamented the enemies that live in the hills. He's brought evildoers before God in his mind. He's remembered past sadnesses. He has gone through the hard stuff, and now he has reached a new place. I'm like a baby. I'm content. Now, being like a baby is not really something we hope for in our culture. I mean, we want to be smart, right? Babies don't know much. We want to have power. Babies can't make it to the toilet. We want to experience art and cuisine and theater, and babies do not care about that stuff. They want milk and a whooshing vacuum cleaner sound. You know, that's a good sound to help a kid go to sleep. Maybe they want a lullaby. Babies are needy, though. When my kids were little, we had this board book called Babies. Anybody know this book? Great book. I have part of it memorized. I read it so much. It goes like this. Babies are very little, soft, warm, and cuddly. They like to be changed and bathed and hugged and loved. That's it. That's what they like. And and we were all like this at some point. And you know, human beings are born so immature in in comparison to other mammals. Even babies who reach nine-month gestation are more immature than other mammals when they're born because the human head is so big. Humans have to be born gestationally early so they can get out. And, And the first three months of a baby's life is considered the fourth trimester. And so even though babies are cute, I love babies. They are a lot of work, and I know that some of you have a baby, and you might be feeling tired now because of that. But this is the posture for the psalm. God, I'm like a baby. I'm not proud. I don't look down my nose at others. I'm just looking at you, God. 
I'm content like a baby who is full of milk. I am fully content. Now, the text in RSV that was read is translated weaned, but this idea has to do with an attitude of contentment, being weaned or having finished nursing. And then this experience is what the psalmist wants to tell others about. Hey, you guys, hope, wait expectantly on the Lord. I've shown you what it's like. You've heard my story. Can you do it too? You want to wait on God with me? Don't you kind of want to? I mean, doesn't that look like the life? But ours is not a world of waiting. Even when we're in a situation in which we have to wait, at the grocery store line, waiting for Metra, stuck in traffic, what do you do? Do you recite Psalm 131? Maybe I don't. I mean, maybe you play on your phone. That's what people do now for the most part. Because ours is a culture of impatience, of productivity, of autoplay. You know what I mean? I have a five-year-old phone, and, and sometimes it gets slow, and I get really angry, and I'm like, come on, come on, load, right? I don't have time for this. We don't wait with expectant hope. We wait with impatient productivity. We wait with an expectation of autoplay. What's next? What are we going to do next? What's happening after the break? What are we going to do this afternoon? What's next? Let's get on to the important stuff. Get up and live your life. Be on time. Or maybe, maybe you have been waiting for God. Maybe you, as you've heard this psalm today, you've thought, I am waiting. I have told God what I'm waiting for. I'm waiting for this illness to end, for my marriage to improve, for my kid to get better. I am waiting to get pregnant. I'm waiting to figure out what retirement looks like. God, I am waiting for you, and I am so, so tired of doing it. And maybe you've taken these things to God, and you're waiting and waiting and waiting for God to act, but it seems like God is not acting. God is certainly not being productive, you think. God, do you hear me? You're waiting for God. Now, I want to make this clear before I say the next thing. It is so good to intercede, to pray and petition God. It is good to wait for God. Don't stop waiting for God. However, waiting on God is different than waiting for God. We often wait for God without waiting on God. But waiting on God is the kind of waiting we see in Psalm 131. The psalmist is simply waiting in God's presence. He's just there, fully content, not carrying on a monologue, not bringing a list of petitions. Adele Alberg Calhoun describes this kind of waiting as waiting is where we learn to let go of our timing in this traffic, our disappointment in this decision, our hurt in this comment. Waiting is where we learn to let go of our control and expectations and trust that God is good no matter what is happening, where we learn how to be happy when we don't get our way, where we learn how to forgive God for not being like a magician, a conjurer, or a wizard. Waiting on God is simply being with God in the presence of God. It is not bringing your list of petitions to him. There's a time and place for that. 
but like a child resting contentedly in God's loving and nurturing character. Like a child. Because it's in the very nature of babies to learn to trust. I look back at this picture and the child in it looks so content. But you know who's also content? I am. Here, I am being trusted far more than that baby imagines. Does he know that he's entrusting his very life to me? Does he know that I have the power to fulfill all his needs or none of them? I don't think so. But he's trusting me. I have calmed and quieted myself. I am like a weaned child with its mother. Like a weaned child, I am content. And that's what the psalm invites us into, a spirit of contentment defined by waiting with calm, expectant hope. And I think this, was, this is what Jesus was talking about when he said, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So become like a child. Wait on God like a contented child in their mother's lap. It is a blessing to us, but it also is a blessing to God. You can bless God. Be like a baby. Now, maybe you're thinking, well, this sounds good and that's a cute picture, but how can a grown person do this? How can I wait on God? That's a good question. So here are some ideas of ways to do this. These are taken from Christian tradition and personal experience. And we don't do these things to make God love us more, right? God already loves us. But this is for us to experience that love and experience that intimate relationship with God on a deeper level. So first, think about places to wait on God. I don't necessarily recommend your bed because you might fall asleep. But um, so many of us commute or we wait in the car to pick up kids. This is a great time to wait on God. Another place is on a walk in your neighborhood, at the Arboretum, good place to wait on God. I'm gonna, these are places, I'll show you some techniques in, in a moment. And then one that has really been great this last week as the weather has been warm and not too humid is outside on the grass, put out a blanket and lay down while the weather is still good. So find a time during the day that is time alone. Traditionally and frequently, this ends up being in the morning, but I'm not saying you have to be a morning person. Turn off the media. Keep it out of reach. Have a time of silence. Think. In this moment, God is here with me right now. You might want to read Psalm 131. And when your thoughts wander, and they will wander, Gently remind yourself that God is with you and come back to recognizing the presence of God with you. Wait on God. Be in the present moment, in the presence of God, without an agenda, without a list of petitions and requests. Be with God, content, like a child with its mother. Now, this is not a magic recipe or formula. 
The sun probably won't look brighter. Life will sometimes continue flat for a while, but God will reveal himself to you in his own time if you practice this kind of practice of recognizing the presence of God with you, resting in the character of God as the loving parent, and realizing that life and sustenance only come from God. In Hosea 6.3, we read, Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. And in your waiting on God, remember that you can wait confidently in hopeful expectation. What are you waiting for? Have you put your life on autoplay, or are you waiting with expectant hope in the arms of God? Maybe you look at this picture of the baby in his mother's arms, and you long to experience that with God. Maybe you long to rest in the arms of God, to release your troubles, your concerns, and worries to him. And so today I want to invite you to begin responding to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you already. Maybe your prayer will be something like, help, this sounds good, I want to wait on God, but, but I don't know how. I've forgotten what it's like to rest, but I want to. So we're going to take a time of silence together. I'll invite the musicians up uh, right now. And, and as they play some quiet music, ask yourself, how is the Holy Spirit inviting me to wait on God? When can you wait on God this week like a calm child in his mother's arms? What does it look like to give up what you've been waiting for, even if it's good, and simply wait on God, in the presence of God, content like a child?
let's continue in prayer together. There will be some words on the screen in this prayer that I invite you to, to read aloud and pray along with me together. Loving God, may our words be simple, our hearts humbled, our attention focused, and our hearts pure. Thank you that we may lean upon you as a child with its mother. You are our hope, and we praise you now and forever. Amen. I invite you to stand as we continue worshiping God together.